When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kick 360 is back. Monday edition. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton, Lance Lee, Jakob Swanson, David Reed, making the show happen for us. The NFL Draft in the books for 2021. A lot to hit over the next hour. We will go full Titans discussion coming up in about 45 minutes. You can follow us on Twitter at Outkick360. We hope you'll like and subscribe wherever you're watching today. And if you're watching later or viewing later, share this with your uh, friends and family. Let them know where to find us each and every day, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central, right here across the Outkick Network and on podcast wherever you download your podcast. Gentlemen, good morning. I feel refreshed, ready to go this week after a big week of uh, draft. Paul, how are you feeling after yeah, this weekend? Uh, uh, refreshed is not, not, not Monday the Monday morning feeling? feeling after a uh, uh, draft weekend, uh, midnight Easter, uh, all of those things for me. Hutton uh, with a big wedding uh, trip out of town. I'm guessing you're not uh, refreshed either. Uh, I am fresh and ready to go. He's I'm ready. ready to go back to Chattanooga. <laughs> bang, bang. We're That's all right. ready except for Paul. But hey. Paul, I must say, I do like that pullover. Thank you. You came in wearing purple. I didn't think I'd like it at first. I wanted a, to make I fun like of you. I like purple. But I actually enjoy it. It's a Thank very you. nice pullover. Thank you. Uh, shout out real quick to 360 season ticket holders, Toby and Lindsay Stanford. Congratulations, guys. They Congratulations. met uh, about five years ago, and they have been hanging out with us at show events ever since, married over the weekend. Congratulations to them both. Beautiful wedding, beautiful setting, perfect wedding uh, for them. I was telling uh, Paul and Chad all about it. Uh, and uh, Claire and I had a wonderful time. Uh, I like to think of them as kind of Mr. and Mrs. Outkick 360. <laughs> yeah. If we had sort of a beauty pageant, they would be named Mr. and Mrs. Outkick yeah. 360. I want to think that they the found each other two? through our show, though they didn't. But no. I want to think that they That was did. David and Lindsay Reed that found each other yeah. through I think it, uh, Claire's about to correct me. It's like Jamaica or something like that. What I want to do one day is, much like when Peyton Manning won Sportsman of the Year at SI, they had all the kids from the state of Tennessee named Peyton after Peyton, and they did a profile of all these different kids and what they had gone on to do, get, getting ready for college at yeah. the time. I would love to one day when we win Sportsman of the Year somewhere, look at all the couples we've united over <laughs> Outkick 360 and then see the fruits of their love. Their kids doing great things one day, how they've really, the, the love has sprouted. They've moved all over the country, and the whole profile is just all of the couples that we've helped bring together. And Chad and Angie have two lovely daughters, but had one of them been a son, he would have been Peyton. And I think they lean maybe towards Peyton even for a daughter. Uh, so they, they would have been in that group. I've never been a name your child after a sports hero type person, but I'm okay with if a sports person gives you a name idea that you really like. 
but then I would I would be hesitant to tell people the inspiration. Oh, I would. I, I, a, you can't do it, and B, if you do it, you absolutely cannot share that. I, w- I wouldn't share it. I'd just say if if my favorite Tennessee Vol was Heath Schuler, and I like the name Heath, and I had a son and named the son Heath. I wouldn't tell people he's named after Heath Schuler. Oh, I'd make up a I'd make up a relative. If you did Heath, I would automatically say it's Heath Schuler. Then you would have to say no, no, my great great grandpappy Heath, even though you don't have a great great grandpappy. I'd like to take this time now to announce that my daughter Evie is actually named after Channing Tatum's daughter Evie. <laughs> <laughs> Huge Channing Tatum guy. No, I'm kidding. It just, Aren't we all? It's, it's just happens to be. <laughs> well, what then we I- found out after the fact that his daughter's also named Evie. Well, I mean, look at the disaster. Howard Stern's, one of Howard Stern's staffers <laughs> named their son Carson after Carson Wentz right when the Philadelphia Eagles won the Super Bowl, and they're huge Eagles fan. Now Carson Wentz is, is, is a blip. That's why you, if you're going to go the route of naming, this is advice for Toby and Lindsay if they decide huh? one day to grow their family. If you're going to name a child after a sports hero, Don't do that it. hero needs to be retired from your favorite or team or out of college. <laughs> if it's a college hero, you can't, like you said, Paul, go with a current pro athlete that could leave that team the next minute, right? Don't, just don't do it. And certainly don't admit it. it. Everywhere we went uh, in Chattanooga, there, I mean, it's no surprise, but every bar, every place for, for dinner or for brunch, the NFL draft was on. Every single TV dominated. By the NFL Did you feel, do you feel like it's a Falcons town or a Titans town? It, Titans town. It's a Titans it? town. Tons of Titans gear out on the streets. Uh, but and I I think maybe three years ago, whenever the Falcons were making their run, <laughs> they were up twenty eight to three. <laughs> yeah, it was a Falcons. Maybe, maybe there's more Falcons gear in that city, but uh, not anymore. It, it's more Titans now than than it is Falcons. Um, and look, it it was more Aaron Rodgers coverage coverage than actual NFL draft coverage. Every time I looked at the TV this weekend, the Packers are in denial. They are in the breakup phase of all of this. And it, there's what well, Chad, we, we've gone through this the the breakup phases on uh, the, the different versions of relationships in, in a previous show. You have the shock and denial phase. You have the pain and guilt phase. Then you have anger and bargaining which will come back whenever they try to offer him even more money than what he's turned down. Then you go through depression. Then there's reconstruction. And then finally, acceptance and hope. And right now, the the Green Bay Packers are in the middle of shock and denial with every quote that I hear. Meanwhile, uh, you have Domofsky at ESPN saying less than 5% chance that, that Aaron Rodgers is back. You have Peter King going on national radio this morning saying that he doesn't see Aaron Rodgers playing in Green Bay again. Uh, in every press conference, including uh, Matt LaFleur, who says you just can't let his brain go there. He can't let himself think about Aaron Rodgers not being a part of the roster. Let me tell everyone something about LaFleur. Uh, the guy is critical and thinks about everything. We know that from his time here. He's done nothing but think about Aaron Rodgers leaving his team since last week. That's all he's done. And for him to get behind the microphone and say he hasn't even thought about it, he can't, can't let himself go there, is ridiculous. They, uh, I'm just automatically drawn to like, where is he going to land? Denver destination number one, you have to think. The other place that I, I, I've considered is Minnesota. Uh, hard, to, hard to do the division. The Brett but, Favre. But that's, that's the team that's unsettled to me at quarterback. Jeremy Fowler is floating Vegas. 
And, yeah, that's a good one uh, because he's never happy at quarterback. And, uh, look, uh, you know, if you're unsettled at quarterback, you haven't just made a move, um, you know, it's all-time great, you, 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 you go get him. Um, you know, Jordan Love, you have no idea what he is, what he isn't, all, no. all of that stuff. But um, I mean, they're screwed. Like, the, I mean, the Packers, let's Paul just say Friday, what it is. You said, like, you said that they're going to call his bluff and oh, he's going to play. I think they're going to call his he's bluff. Go- and he'll he's gone. I, I believe he's gone. If Rob Demosky, our, our buddy, is saying 5% chance, Aaron Rodgers will walk before he plays for the Packers. And uh, I, I, I'm just amazed. I'm amazed at Matt LaFleur acting like he hasn't thought about it. Clearly, well, he's, he had, has. He, he's, he's just, thought about that's it. That's his way of not answering the question, yeah. where he says, you know, you know, we haven't really heard this from Aaron. We, we've heard this from everyone but him. And I, I agree with Paul with what you said last week about how we, it's time for him to come forward and go public with his thoughts on this, the same way, you know, we heard from Russell Wilson. But um, at the Kentucky Derby, Tarico, Tarico has a, a, a chat with Aaron Rodgers, who wouldn't go on camera, camera. But reiterates uh, Tarico goes on in, in reports then reiterates yeah there's there's definitely tons of friction there and he's not willing to talk about Rogers it. He said there's a chasm it. between the organization and the player that right now doesn't look like they're ever going to come together on that and These a big part of this is sometimes. the Packers are so driven by organization players play we make the personnel decisions coaches coach there's no intermingling well, they Which can repair it by firing their general manager. Yeah, they're not going to do that, though. Um, I mean, who does that? that you know, that, that's a very NBA thing. We had this conversation uh, last Who's week. Who's more important to the Packers right now? Yeah, certainly Aaron Rodgers. But you don't. The organization you, you, has you, released you're down a, a slippery statement. slope if you start firing executives at the demands of the player, no matter how good the player they, is. So the organization released a statement on Thursday evening, slash, well, Thursday evening. We discussed it on Friday. And then I, I guess there's a monthly open letter to fans from, from Murphy. Murphy. And he addresses it in that letter. After every press conference, or during every press conference, they're asked about Aaron Rodgers. Nationally, everyone's trying to get comment from him, including at the Kentucky Derby. Um, it, he did an interview on camera with somebody at the Derby. Somebody, I can't remember, Peter King wrote about it. Somebody who agreed not to ask him what kind of media outlet agrees to do an interview with Aaron Rodgers on the condition that they don't ask the him. The same that media outlets that agree not to tip picks. Yeah, that, that's that's uh, that's way worse than well, that. It, was it, it at NBC? least a TV was he on partner. camera with NBC? No, he wasn't on camera with NBC. Tarico talked to him off camera, um, but uh, it, it's just uh, I, I think almost any media member, if Aaron Rodgers was at the Kentucky Derby, granting them an interview, would probably do what Aaron Rodgers no. wanted. In that setting. I mean, NBC didn't even do it. Um, but Mike Tirico got news. I mean, right. at least he said Off he said what everybody knew right. already. The, um, you know, I mean, look, if, if, the, if the Packers did play hardball here, and I know Rodgers is not wanting for money or anything, um, you know, once he doesn't come to camp under contract, it does cost a fortune now in the fines that add up. We saw it in Nashville with Vic Beasley who paid what? Uh, half a million dollars for 10 days of, yeah. of not reporting to camp. That money adds up if, if he's just intending not to come. Um, so it will, will be quite a bit of money in a hurry. They've got to uh, reach some sort of accord in order for him not to be uh, paying a fortune in fine. So Peter King referred to Aaron Rodgers as someone who's principled that you better believe that he will go host Jeopardy or try to or not come back to the Packers if he says so. 
Paul, you're going to hate that I'm bringing this up, but this is a guy who doesn't talk to his family because he made up his mind that his family was bad for him, and he still does not speak to them. So whatever's in his mind, and he's made up his mind, it seems like, about the Packers, even though he's – just like he doesn't outwardly say, I'm never speaking to my family again, to the media, or in an interview, he's made up his mind on the Packers, which makes me believe more and more that he will retire and go host Jeopardy unless they trade him. We, this would not be that odd of a story if he wasn't just the MVP and they weren't just 13-3. Right. and three. If he thought he was being used incorrectly – or there was a rift with the coach and he's on the backside of his career and his play's not as – then you'd understand, okay, trade me, you move on to the future, I'll go start somewhere else and, and play somewhere else. That's what makes this so strange. You brought up the NBA element of this. If I'm Aaron Rodgers, and I look at this from his perspective, I'm rightfully pissed off at the Packers about not communicating with me that they wanted to draft a quarterback in the first round and yeah, not bad, helping bad, me out. Bad form. It's bad form by them. I can understand him being mad. I can understand him being out on the GM. But what do we want as sports fans? We don't want the NBA. We don't want players ru- ruling the roost. We want what Hutton we just want said, the Packers. organized players playing managers. That's what I managers. just said. Yeah. And we want the Packers situation. That is an organization where coaches coach, GMs draft, players play, shut the hell up. That's what we want as sports fans, right? Ultimately, that's General. what we all want. Yeah. But that's... Also, if you're Aaron Rodgers and sports fans could put themselves in his shoes and think, if I'm a three-time MVP and a Super Bowl champion and I'm Aaron Rodgers this past year and I see them draft a quarterback without telling me, I get angry and play well, I see my head coach make an inexcusable gaffe on a decision late in an NFC championship where the Packers were the better team than Tampa. They should have won that game at home. I go into the offseason thinking I don't want to be here anymore, and I can understand him feeling that way. But, I mean, I get what you're saying, and that list is not a great list. Those are some messy things, but they are not a mess. They've been in the last two NFC Championship games. They should have they, – they, they, should they have been in a Super Bowl the last couple of years? Yes. But are they right there? Yes. It's not like they're a team that's falling apart, right? It's not like I can understand, Right. I can understand if he's Matthew Stafford being pissed. But what are the odds he goes to a situation that's better? I mean, I know you could look at Brady and say, look, he went to Tampa Bay and threw them over the top. But he lost to Brady. Like, the only situation that he loses. They're right there. He's got a better chance in Green Bay than anywhere. In the, where's he going in the NFC that's got a better chance against Tampa Bay? Where's he going that's got a better chance? I think Aaron Rodgers makes a lot of teams a team I, that could contend with Tampa I agree. Bay right he, away. But it's not in a, he's not in that messy a situation. Well, the thing, too, is we, we mentioned we, we don't want the players with total control. This is also, according to reports, Green Bay going back on what they told him they were going to do, yeah, which that's was trade him, biggest which problem. is why he's coming forward and leaking the information on draft. Why day. did they say they would trade him? Because I think both sides agree that they're not Time repairing was what was what was happening, and that when they they said yeah we're going to trade you and then didn't and they offer him the extension he turns it down and that's that leads leads us to draft weekend. So did the league not step forward and offer what Aaron Rodgers is worth during trade se- the early trade season? That's crazy to me considering how many teams were desperate for quarterback like Carolina. Tepper's dying for a star quarterback. How would they not have stepped forward 
and given a deal for Aaron Rodgers. When you look at what what uh, San Francisco gave up to go to number three to get Trey Lance, or why wouldn't San Francisco have given up that package for Aaron Rodgers, which you think Green Bay would have taken, and then you can surround Jordan Love with, with that and have all of those firsts coming up. If they couldn't get that offer, then, then something's broken. But don't tell them you're going to trade him before you get the deal. Get the deal in place, then go to him and say, we've got this deal, we can amicably end this whole thing. It's all about precedent setting and the precedent that you don't want to set if you're the Packers organization. But believe you me on this, the best thing that can happen to the Green Bay Packers for the next season is for this GM to resign and for the Packers to convince him to step aside and resign and allow them to talk to Aaron Rodgers and bring him back. But by doing that, you are going down a difficult slope because the moment you grant any one player that type of power to force the resignation of a GM, there's going to be another player eventually that's going to want the same exact thing. Not just And you're going to be right back in the Not same just exact there, spot. Chad. It starts it now, in the league. I can also say there's maybe three guys in the league that would hold the power of Aaron Rodgers. So this isn't – even with most quarterbacks, they, they would try. never have this type of power. But they try. But the, the best thing that can happen for the Green Bay Packers on the field – Regardless if you're a Packers fan, if you're not, if you hate Aaron Rodgers, if you love him, convince me otherwise. The best thing that can happen, the Packers brass comes to the GM and says, you got to go, man. I'm sorry, but Aaron Rodgers has spoken, and we're trying to win a Super Bowl in the next two years. And the only way to do that is for you to resign and us to elevate someone else of Aaron Rodgers' approval that he can work alongside. And we're going to do this until he retires. Then we're going to try to go right back to that old setup where we run things and the players play and see how it works, but we're also st- opening up the precedent that a player can make a call like yeah, this. I understand what it, you're it's saying. A, it's a tough spot. But again, this, it's isn't, a tough spot. this isn't Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby, you know, where, where uh, Deshaun Watson take away all the, the alleged criminal activity. If Deshaun Watson was on the level, he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers' resume by any chance, but, but he would have had a chance, I think, or, or, or everybody on his side for that. Get rid of these idiots who are, are creating the problem there and side with the player. Here, though, it's two ste- – and I know Aaron Rodgers had a huge role in the steadiness of the organization. He's been the it, steady contributor. But it being a publicly owned franchise – that that uh, I just don't see it happening there. And this guy's not been on the clock that long, Gutenkust, if I'm getting a name. Well, he hasn't been on the clock that long, but he's done some serious damage to his franchise player in the short time he's been there. But what's his huge failing? I mean, he drafted a quarterback and he didn't communicate it well. It's it it's it's not good. But he hasn't made some egregious miss. It's, it's a pretty not. catastrophic failure when every other person that was there kept Aaron Rodgers happy. And Aaron Rodgers is an extremely moody guy. But yeah. he has not been demanding to leave Green Bay the entire time. He's gotten along with his teammates well enough. And the first move you make is to draft a quarterback and not tell Aaron Rodgers your intentions to do that. The first thing I'm doing if I'm considering it is calling Aaron Rodgers or sitting him aside and saying, look, Here's, You're our guy, but we got to start planning on the future. This. this is a three- or four-year project player. Don't think that if we do this, we haven't made that up our mind. If the right receiver's there, we want to get him. But if we do this, don't think this is we don't believe in you. You have to at least communicate that. I'm not apologizing for the communication by any means. 
But I would think that Aaron Rodgers would have some understanding of that situation, having been that guy himself, you know, and sat three years waiting for the Favre thing and understanding that, you know, in the business, this is, this is how it works. And you replaced a legend and somebody ultimately is going to replace But also, you. keep in mind, Aaron Rodgers never wanted that. Aaron Rodgers wanted to be the number well, one overall wants. pick to San Francisco that year. Sure. He wanted to start right away. I mean, he, he, well, he said didn't get what he that wants. clip was coming up on draft night. He said, everyone who plays me is going to regret well, it. He didn't get 49ers what he included after that. He wanted to play right away. So he's probably also thinking, you're putting Jordan Love in the same uncomfortable spot you put me in with Brett Favre. It's not fair to him. It's not fair to me. This guy probably wants to go somewhere and play right away, too. He didn't get what he wants. Favre didn't get what he wants. Love didn't get what he wants. But it all turned out pretty damn well the first time through. Well, there, there is an organization with a new regime that's doing the exact opposite of what the Green Bay Packers have done with Aaron Rodgers. We'll discuss that and their draft approach next on OutKick 360. It is OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. You can find us on Twitter at OutKick 360. Chad, there was a uh, gentleman on YouTube uh, that was upset that Jakob and Lance were, were playing ad-free programming two minutes before we, we even went on air this morning. That's right. George on Twitter <laughs> says, just brought up the show on YouTube. Poor FYI, hey. you can't have two <laughs> minutes of nothing in front of the show. If you do not have something, just go to the show. No one wants dead air for two minutes. And I responded to George and said, you can avoid that by tuning in. This is a message for everyone. You can tune in at 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central every day when the show starts. I picture George as the type of guy who goes to a sporting event and is angry because there's not a sporting event leading up to the sporting event. I was here for 15 minutes in my seat, and there wasn't a football game happening before the football game. How dare you <laughs> give me something before that? You can't just have pregame stuff going on in advance of the show happening. Also, so. we're telling you uh, we're two minutes away. We're 159 away. We're 158 away. We're 157 <laughs> away. I could keep going, but I think you're getting the idea. It's, it's no secret. There's a two minutes before we go on the air, we let you come. And prepare yourself, you know, pull up your chair, get cozy, all That's of right. that stuff. If you don't care for the two-minute countdown, as Chad said, plan two minutes ahead. And we can also <laughs> uh, alert you that Jakob Swanson is, in fact, working on something for those two minutes oh, yeah. and for some of the other breaks that we may wow. unveil later this week or maybe even next week. And when that two-minute countdown starts, I want everyone to know that you're two minutes away from bang, bang. That's what you're two minutes away from, all right? So for George and everyone else, that's your two-minute warning for Bang Bang. We're just all ignoring that, and it'll go away in time. I'm going to keep pressing. We're going to press forward, keep pressing it until it becomes something. So we were discussing Aaron Rodgers and how they've gone behind the scenes with Jordan Love last year with the draft and drafting the future replacement for Rodgers and their veteran quarterback, new head coach, uh, new general manager. We're seeing the opposite investment being made in the veteran quarterback in Atlanta, where they are investing around Matt Ryan. There's a belief there that he's got two or three solid years left. And instead of going quarterback at number four, they get him Kyle Pitts. They've invested in offensive linemen. They are investing uh, defensively in making that a better team, but not ignoring the, the weapons that are on the board for their veteran quarterback 
in a division with Tom Brady and in a division where there's talk that Atlanta's rebuilding, but they're building around their veteran. And it's, it's a different approach than what we've seen in Green Bay where Aaron Rodgers wants out. Matt Ryan is buying back in with Arthur Smith. I think, uh, you know, we've talked about this. They've, they've got a chance in that division. The, 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 they've got to keep up. Not, I don't think so much with Tampa Bay. I mean, I, I'm, I'm granting that Tampa Bay is going to be consistently good, having brought everybody back, unless there's a slew of injuries. The up-and-comers in that division are Carolina, and we're going to talk about them in a yep. minute. Atlanta has got to fight with Carolina. There's also an extra, you know, you could get three teams conceivably in the playoffs now. Teams, uh, divisions have done it before, and now you've got a, an extra playoff spot. But I, I, I agree with what you're saying, and I think, uh, you know, Pitts, and now we see what happens with Julio Jones, which is a salary cap move also. But even if, if they if trade they him, they're it. still pretty good yeah, at receiving. They just exercised Calvin Ridley's fifth-year mm. option. They've, they've got some players, and um, – you know, they, they, uh, they, they draft Pitts, they draft Richie Grant, a safety, and they draft Jalen Mayfield, uh, an offensive tackle from Michigan. So th- those are primary spots. And then they, got a, they had a center in the fourth, in the fourth round. So, I mean, they've... Darren Hall, the cornerback from San Diego State, and Drew Dahlman, a center from Stanford. So uh, in, the, in their first batch, they're addressing, addressing concerns. I, you know, look, we like Arthur Smith. We know Arthur Smith. We think he's going to do some things, and he talked about being unconventional with Pitts and, and with their guys. Um, I think it's an exciting time to see what the Falcons can do with these guys. And I'm, I'm with you. on uh, I, I, I didn't want to see them draft a quarterback. I, I'm not about uh, getting a quarterback who's going to sit. I'm about getting a player who's going to play now and worrying about later, later. And that's the, the strategy they took. I like what Arthur Smith said about this is a group, a core group of guys that three years ago made it to a Super Bowl. Of course, they, we know what happened there. The rest is history against the Patriots and blowing that lead. Speaking of Brady. But he said it's also ancient history in this league. He said, I yeah. view it as ancient history. I'm inheriting a team that went 4-12. and 12. But I like the fact that he can say that while also acknowledging we're here to win right away. This is not a rebuild. This is a group that if you're, if you're picking players around Matt Ryan, you're saying – we're going to win in year one. And I, I like that mentality. I like it from Arthur Smith. I like it from Arthur Blank. I like it from that organization. If you're going to roll the dice on it and you believe in Matt Ryan, go all in on it. Support him. Bring, Kyle Pitts, that was the no-brainer decision if you're going to go no, without a quarterback in that number four pick. But time's going to tell if we're going to second-guess it because if Matt Ryan starts to decline, or even if he doesn't and this team can't stop anyone and they're 6-10, and 10, this year, and they're seven and nine a year from now, and Matt Ryan either goes somewhere else or retires, and Justin Fields is lighting it up in Chicago. There's going to be a lot of second guessing with Falcons fans about, boy, we had a chance to remake our entire franchise with an Atlanta area kid at quarterback, just like everyone that drafted in front of the Bears, that drafted in front yep. of Deshaun Watson and, and Patrick Mahomes. They're thinking about, boy, we had a chance to remake our franchise and didn't. That's going to be the second guess is what happens with Justin Fields. To me, that's the comparison point. The Falcons are good right away. They're winning. They're going to the playoffs. No problem. But if, they're, if they continue on this 4-12 to mediocre range and Matt Ryan isn't great and Justin Fields is good in Chicago – that's going to be the problems Falcon fans have with it. Matt Ryan's 35, Hunt. I'm not scared of 35-year-old quarterback with a, with a good mm-hmm. record. 
I mean, the league's not scared of 35-year-old quarterbacks with good records. Now, you know, uh, they're not all going to be Brady playing up, up till 40, but 35, I'll take three years more of a guy who's 35, who's been a steady, good quarterback in the league, who's taken his team to the Super Bowl, and who's got weapons. If you're upgrading weapons with pits, if you're addressing offensive line with two of your first five picks when a couple of those are still in the fourth round, I ride it, ride it. The Broncos pass on quarterbacks as well. Another surprise. I think, you know, I mentioned them with Atlanta because we thought Atlanta would, would draft a quarterback at some point. They chose not to. Um, and the Broncos are the same way. They're going to ride with Teddy Bridgewater, who they traded for prior to the draft, and Drew Locke. Uh, in a competition for the starting position, uh, that I would have lost money on that had I had the opportunity to bet whether or not Denver drafts a quarterback in 2021. I, I among us, am, am by far uh, the, the biggest believer that something will happen that Aaron Rodgers remains. But if Aaron Rodgers moves, I think Denver's the number one landing spot. So uh, I would say if, if he's going somewhere, Denver's the least settled team in the league. Wouldn't you agree? I think it's, yeah, Denver is the one that's circled for me. Denver or Houston. I mean, Houston drafts Davis Mills. Houston's got nothing left to give, though, trade-wise. Yeah, I mean, you're right. They've they've traded away their future drafts. Um, I'm just looking at quarterback situations. And, you know, they draft Davis Mills with Terod Taylor. It's a clear sign. That's their first pick of the draft. I mean, they could definitely use him. They know Watson that's them acknowledging Watson's very but unlikely. But their big trade chip is Deshaun Watson, and you, you can't get anything. Yeah, I'm going to give you one that I would just like to see, selfishly, if, if he's moved, New Orleans. Uh, I don't think you can be very confident in Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill, if you're New Orleans, and I would love to see Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady in the same division with new teams. So you're not confident in Ian Book? Who uh, Ian, I like Ian Book. I actually do like Ian Book, but I'm not confident that he's going to be the guy right away for where they drafted him. But wouldn't that be fun to see that twice a year with those two aging quarterbacks going head-to-head in the same division? Hey, the other thing about Rodgers, I sent you a note on yeah. this. The schedule's coming out, what, May 12th? May 12th. This thing's not going to be resolved by Wednesday. May 12th. And so what do they do with the Packers? I mean, if they're listening to Demofsky, they got to schedule away from the Packers. Uh, well, and how you do don't you think America wants to Packers? see Jordan Love, the guy the Packers traded up to get? There's still a story there, but it's not the, the yeah. it's not the money maker that the league pitched to the the television companies whenever they added the extra game. I mean, One they of the play games, the Packers, right? They play the, the Chiefs, the Packers, Chiefs. That's a massive game if Rodgers is there, and if he's not. It's an average Sunday afternoon game. There's more flexibility built into the schedule, and thank God, because if you schedule the Packers as if Aaron Rodgers is there now, and then he's not, those games. <laughs> well, he's games, somewhere, though. Yeah, but uh, that, those games, the, where uh-huh. he is, needs to flip into all of those time slots. If the, it's a disaster schedule. Well, the NFL is great about creating these dates that we look forward to, like the draft and mm-hmm. then the schedule release. Let's add another date to it. The reschedule release. Two weeks before the start of the season when the rosters are set, <laughs> they come back and you get five changes, right? What if the league, it's almost like a, it's an own draft. It's a network draft. You bring in the networks and they have the schedule. With the as first it says, pick of the reschedule. The slot, right, yeah. If so if it's Packers, Chiefs, like, 
This is now a noon on Sunday game, regional game. We're we going to select Titans this game. Titans in Jacksonville to Wednesday night. Wouldn't that be great, though? <laughs> Every fan base would, you know, we might get a Sunday night game out of this deal. We might be one of those five picks that moves into one of those Southwest, I need to change that flight on. immediately. Uh, please. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. Saturday, at the earliest flight I can get to, to uh, Kansas City. I'm all for making more informed <laughs> network decisions. So if it takes waiting to see what happens with the Packers and what shakes out to get the best but there's so television schedule on that Sunday and Monday of that week for these games, I'm all for it. Yeah, but there's so many logistics that have to be taken care of in terms of teams, oh, booking these hotels. Are billion billion dollar that. organizations. They can work out something with the Hyatt yeah. <laughs> and figure it's, it out. It's easy to say, but if you're going to a city like India or Nashville, it's got these conventions coming in. You don't have a wide open hotel. Um, just going through a couple of the headlines, and I want to get to a tweet that uh, that Chad sent out early Friday in, in just a moment. But so the Bills go Gregory Rousseau and Carlos Boogie Basham in back-to-back picks on a defensive line where they invested with AJ Epinesa last year. So they're again they're taking their chips Doubling down. from where they were in the AFC Championship game and pushing them back on the defensive front because they chased and chased and chased Patrick Mahomes and <laughs> had no him. chance, no chance in the AFC Championship game, um, much like all the teams do. But they're saying they're close. They have to find a way to get to the passer. Well, also, uh, and I mean Ed Oliver's not that far along, but uh, Jerry Hughes is getting old. Yep. Uh, Mario Addison, you know, probably not that much star. Lou Delaley, not. Uh, Recent uh, free agent acquisition, though. Yeah, so, I mean, you're right. They're putting their resources in the spot they know they need to, uh, to be. And it, good. it fell that way for them. Yeah. It fell that way for and them. And they don't have tremendous needs elsewhere in the That's roster. Right. So they had the luxury of loading up at the spot that could, could be the answer. Uh, really surprised that the Miami Dolphins did not take a running back until the seventh round. And some of that is it just didn't work out for them early in the draft. They had two first-round draft picks, though. And Najee Harris goes to Pittsburgh. Travis Etienne drafted by Jacksonville. And then Javante Williams, uh, another running back that they passed on. And they end up getting uh, a seventh-round running back out of Cincinnati for a team that is desperate for help in the backfield, they may be just running it back with what they had last year, but there's still some free agency things that they could add. I'm fine. You know, we've seen seventh-round running backs from wherever run fine, um, you know, in places. I'm not big on the you have to have the big-name running back. You have to have the mentality, and you have Mm -hmm. to block, okay, and you have to have the passing game to play off of, and they've addressed that. I love what Miami did in their first four Jalen Waddle, obviously. Jalen Phillips, I'm concerned about the concussions, but if he's okay. He's a true 4-3 in. Yeah, and I will circle back to him in a second. Liam Eichenberg didn't go to either of the teams that Chad insisted Forgot. he would land Classic with. Classic Colt. Colt Colts really Raven. missed out on an opportunity to draft He'll Liam Eichenberg. He'll be a Colt in four years. And, That's right. And I Hunter. expect a big free agency deal with the Colts and Eichenberg. And Hunter Long fourth. I think Miami's wow. moving in a very good direction. I look at this division, and boy, Buffalo, Miami, and New England. If uh, and you know I'm down on the free agent push, but mm-hmm. if the free agent push works, that is a three-team slugfest potentially with Buffalo at the top of the heap, 
AFC East competitive in a way it hasn't been in a long time. And that brings us to Chad's tweet. Are the Jets, wait for it, having a good draft? He said this out on Friday. They did have a good draft. And the best thing I like was uh, Douglas, the GM, said to Wilson when they drafted him, we don't need you to lift us. We're going to lift you. And then they put their money where their mouth is in the way they drafted for him. If you're Sam Darnold, I know you've moved on. <laughs> but you have to be looking at the Jets thinking, they are doing everything around this guy now. They did nothing around me. Gee, thanks a lot, guys. That's probably what Sam Darnold said in there. Thinking. So what they give him? You have it in front of you? No, so I – and I asked the question because I, I think so much of the answer to that question revolves around your thoughts on Zach Wilson which sure. I admitted in the pre-draft wind-up that I'm thinking less of Zach Wilson because the Jets think so much of him. I'm liking The him fact more. that the Jets are all in on him and not the other guys, I'm thinking there must be something wrong with Zach Wilson because the Jets are so bad <laughs> at picking players. <laughs> and that's uh, just an inherent bias while looking at the Jets and all the bad it's moves hard to they've, they've made that. recently. But I do think that when you look top to bottom, what they did in the draft, I, I, there's a lot to like. They got – Protection at guard for him with the next first-round pick. Elijah Barrett Tucker. Here's what I like more than anything else about what the Jets did. They drafted two dudes named Michael Carter in the same draft. First time it's ever happened. Two guys with the same name. It's funny. One, a running back from North Carolina. One, a running back from Duke. I know Peter King no, wrote about this. Second one's a so cornerback. cornerback from Duke, running back from North Carolina. The cornerback <laughs> tackled Michael Carter, the cornerback, in 2018. Tackled the running back, Michael Carter, from North Carolina on back-to-back plays. A funny enough stat. Even more beautiful. They love guys named Michael Carter. Even more beautiful. The second Michael Carter (laughs) is technically technically Michael Carter the second. (laughs) So they drafted Michael Carter in the the fourth round from North Carolina. And then in round five, they drafted Michael Carter the second. I don't know. Listen, you guys are from the South where everybody's junior or the second or the third. So you should be able to explain to me why a guy's the second as opposed to junior. There's some slight difference. I always thought I went junior than the third. I I don't know why you skip the junior part and go to the second. I think the second is if you don't have the exact same name. Like maybe your middle name's different, so you're the second instead of junior. Junior is the exact same name. I don't know. I'm sure I Twitter will feel like will the second and in. junior should be the same <laughs> but thing. But listen, this is a good draft. <laughs> I think it's just your choice. So Jack, that Zach cooler. Wilson, Elijah Vera Tucker, who they traded up to get 14th, Elijah Moore uh, in the second round, 34th overall, and Michael Carter, the running back from North Carolina. That's a nice draft. Paul, I think I have it. I think the second is when it's a grandfather's name or another relative. You're oh, being named after dad. someone that's not your dad. I feel like I've read that somewhere before. All right, I'm Junior sure is the exact replica of the of name father. from the father. Michael Carter II could be named after Michael Carter, his granddad, right. or Michael Carter, his uncle. Well, I'll buy so that. That's until, how it's the I'll buy that until Twitter corrects us. Do also, you guys know? I immediately thought our production team useless on this issue. Shocking, <laughs> shocking. These guys, these guys haven't studied this. Uh, this fact. Turn our camera on. Yeah. That's, <laughs> no there's light, also no, no light back there today. It's amazing. I think that's a good. These draft. guys are maskless think, for the first time after I getting know, vaccinated. They, they want to turn their light on back I, there so we can see. I them. think this AFC East really, really a lot going on. Look, it's hard to say the Jets are turning. Elijah Moore. We might talk about this again. AJ Brown's talk with Elijah Moore in his bedroom of his home where they they were for the draft. Uh, uh, Just true love 
between teammates and dear, dear friends. Maybe the most emotional thing I saw over the course of the weekend. And you guys know I don't like the sappy stuff. There's no way not to be impacted uh, by this conversation. I'm with you, Chad. The Jets had, had a, a nice draft. Jalen Phillips, and we might get into this more when we talk more specifically about the Titans. Everybody's very concerned about Caleb Farley's back. If you're concerned about Caleb Farley's back, you should be concerned about Jalen Phillips' head. Uh, to me, it's, it's comparable. Multiple concussions and, and two back surgeries equally concerning, maybe more so because you get a, the concussions get exponentially worse, right? I, I guess you could say the same about the back surgery. I put them in the same basket, though. You're worried about further injuring a cornerback's back, and you're worried about further injuring a, uh, a pass rusher's head. And quite frankly, the pass rusher's head is going to take more knocks than a cornerback's back is going to take twists, I would think, because you're just in that position more regularly. So th- those are the two big injury concerns coming out of the first round. And he's bound to have another concussion. You would think the odds are, are high. Um Final thought, just going through the list. The Ravens, Paul, you and I were chatting about this briefly. Their plan to replace Orlando Brown doesn't come in the draft. It's coming in free agency. Yeah, Alejandro Villanueva is getting signed this week, all indications are. And Dennis Kelly may be as well. So they could be adding their second tackle and their swing tackle. And we saw Dennis Kelly do very well in Tennessee as the third tackle who played a lot. Uh, for Taylor Lewan, mm-hmm. and then after the uh, Isaiah Wilson complete bust was a 16-game starter last year for a division-winning team. Uh, they're going veteran-wise uh, to, to replace Orlando Brown. And uh, who'd they draft at the back end? They got themselves a receiver. And another fullback. And uh, they got themselves a uh, pass rusher, raw pass rusher. And they know how to do develop pass rushers. It, it, Baltimore consistently, like... Like Pittsburgh, those are two teams that there's just always somebody there that fits their mold that they'll bring in and shape. Uh, And they had to get a rookie receiver because they did not do very well luring veterans who just don't want to go to a place where they're going to run the ball somewhere. Coming up, some more draft takeaways. We get into the Tennessee Power Hour shortly as well. The very latest and the honest assessment on the Tennessee Titans 2021 NFL Draft coming up on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 rolls on here on the Outkick Network alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Big thanks to Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, Becca Risley, Sleepy Danny, and David Reed, the chairman of the board, for making the show happen. Follow us on Twitter at Outkick360. Share the post on Facebook as well. That's what I'm about to go do right now. Uh, That's uh, what the guys uh, remind us to do during the break. Hey, go share the post. I've yet to do that from my own personal account, so I'm going to do my part immediately. The show now streaming. You know You've inspired me. I'm going to do the same right now. And on the Facebook. show, I'm told, is streaming today through uh, Titans Multiple Paul Kuharski uh, on Facebook. So uh, another, as we continue to add, add Is it add. on every single account today? Uh, we're testing Paul's. Oh, we're testing. This is a test. Account. This is only a test. Okay. But it's working. It's a working test. Tennessee Titans, Kuharski. Sorry. Join the chat. Join the chat for the live show on Facebook, YouTube, on Twitter. 
uh, wherever you're watching today. And uh, we hope that you give us a rating and a review if you're listening to the show on podcast wherever you download your podcast. The Tennessee Titans wrapped up their draft. They did make a trade up um, to go get a wide receiver, which we'll get to in, in, in total uh, starting in about 10 minutes. We'll recap the entire group. But the theme of the Titans class, guys, was a couple of things. Of course, they're going to say these guys are team first, physical, uh, gritty, tough. I mean, they're going to fit all these qualifications. But one of the, uh, it's hard to say prerequisite because not every player that they drafted fits this, checks this box. Most, but not all. They met with them at the Senior Bowl of Mobile face-to-face. Five out of eight. So they, they, have a, they, they have a rapport with these guys face-to-face before selecting them and bringing them to Nashville. Now, I don't know about the full-on group from last year and how many they had actually seen in person at all. I, I, to my knowledge, all of that had been canceled. Well, things didn't fall apart until March, right? Um, so... You, you didn't know how little was, you were going to see guys right. until late. So it was much more of a scramble last year. This year they knew this is going to be one of our big opportunities to see guys in person, maybe our only opportunity. So they certainly took advantage of that. And five of the eight they, they liked in, in that regard. And they had and met with you know Isaiah Wilson it. last year at the Combine. Right. But the, the impression that was made in Mobile clearly – led them to a deciding factor on a handful of these players. Definitely so. Definitely so. Um, and uh, it, I, I think th- that's important. Um, you know, they got fooled last year by Wilson. I don't think they overreacted to that, uh, obviously. They didn't tiptoe into this draft. We talked about that with Farley and, and the back concern. Right. But, you know, they, they got to, to know what they're getting into all, all the time. And, uh, you know, uh, this is one of the things that certainly guarded against that. And they said, they said you know, they had a confidence level with their connections with these guys. Well, Raidens and, and Rice are two that they met with uh, for sure. Rashad Weaver was another one that they referenced uh, the Senior Bowl work with. And there are, what, at least two others, I believe. Farley, they did not. Brady Breeze at the back end, they did not. And maybe Racy McMath. So those two, two guys at the back end. Are prod, uh, projects anyway, you know. You don't know if they're going to make the the roster or not. Um, but these other guys, you know, you want as as much as as you can get with them. I think Titans draft for me, you know, <clears throat> considering what they lost in Corey Davis in Johnu Smith, um, I I wanted some dynamic element to this draft. And I think outside of Caleb Farley, who we talked about, who, you know, really looks the part of, of a potentially elite yeah. cornerback, I think that they got a lot of guys uh, who were, were very productive college players. But I don't see a lot of dynamic guys who, and most stars in the NFL are dynamic. Look, the guys they lost were dynamic when they were at their best. Bud Dupree, who's the star of their free agent class, is dynamic. And this is more of a kind of team-building draft that lacks some of that, which I would have liked to have seen more. We're going to get into the weeds with a lot of these picks and and get really detailed in that Tennessee Power Hour. I I want to start, though, a little bit broad. And this is just about fan reaction. And I think this goes for any fan base out there, regardless of who you're a fan of, Titans or anyone else. We have to get to a point where we can assess a draft or anything 
and get in the middle between sucks and savant about general managers because that has been the reaction from a lot of Titans fans. It is either you can't possibly question John Robinson or the Titans on any pick because they are geniuses and we are all idiots. J Rob would trust their feet. those people. Yes. Or it's this guy sucks. He drafted Isaiah Wilson. This happened, this, this, this. He can't do anything right. Let's try to get at least in the middle. You can have a strong reaction, good or bad, to this draft. We're never going to stop you from doing that here. If that's your opinion, great. But let's get away from this all-in, all-out type response to everything. It's where our country is right now. Let's start small and look at draft analysis this way. Let's, let's meet in the middle at some point. It's perfectly okay to be okay with this draft. For Titans fans or any fan of a team, I look at this draft class and I think it's okay. They they missed on receiver. I, I, look, Des Patrick may be a Hall of Famer. I doubt it for where they got him, but clearly they missed an opportunity to get one of those really good pass catchers early. So that's a big whiff, in my opinion. But I look at middle round guys that everyone's praising: Elijah Molden, uh, Rashad Weaver. This is where John Robinson at times has proven to be a genius is when you look in those middle rounds and what he can do. And these guys look like they're going to be really good pros. But we have to come to a point where it's something in between sucks and savant. This can be said about a lot of different things in life, but especially in draft analysis. I think, and I hope we can get there today as we get in the weeds and get into detail with all these picks and give you some honest analysis of where it is. Well, here with a quick reaction from me is, well, that didn't take very long. Uh, Emily Proud from News 2 tweets out, this just in, Titans' fourth-round pick, Rashad Weaver, has been charged with simple assault, according to a court docket from the Pittsburgh Police Department. Uh, and she goes on to report new? that the it was filed on April 30th. Uh, his preliminary hearing is scheduled for October 5th in Pittsburgh City. If the Tennessee Titans did not know in advance about this when they drafted Rashad Weaver... This is a glaring issue. With the scouting scouting department department. and these young guys. If they didn't know about this. So it was filed what date? April April 30th. 30th. That was a couple days ago. Friday. And he was drafted on Saturday. There's a good chance they didn't know about it, I'm going to say. Don't you think? I mean, there's a good chance a lot of people didn't know about it. The timing is terrible. uh, Hold on now. I'm just trying to come to grips with something that just happened while we're live on air. The kid wasn't drafted Friday night, got pissed off, and went out and assaulted well, someone? I mean, we don't know if that's Well, that's why. what it looks like, though, right? Like, that's the timing of it, because he's going to get drafted the next day. Yeah, he's a fourth-round pick. So he's drafted on Saturday. Jesus, that's bad. That is awful news for the Titans, and an awful start for him, given Isaiah Wilson a year ago. This is not a first-round pick, but, man, that is not good. And, and maybe we, we got to get info into it. Maybe yeah, simple assault. Maybe he's not at fault at all. It's a misunderstanding. He gets thrown out. Who knows? Who knows? But that's but, not, I mean, that, it's not good timing either way. Uh, uh, the Titans drafted someone who's charged with simple assault, though. I mean, that, that's well, and hey, that's good, the headline. Good job by Emily Proud of News Two getting that story and uh, and breaking it. But that is not good news for the Titans. So we'll we'll continue to see uh, what happens there, and we'll, we will allow the details to pan out with it. But you. You draft someone who who was just charged with simple assault the night before? Isn't it funny that right when I had a little motivational pep talk about somewhere between sucks and savant, news breaks that a Titans draft pick was arrested 
the night before he was picked. Well, to your point. Which takes, which takes yeah. fire away from what I was well, saying. It certainly pulls up more of the socks. But uh, to, to your point, uh, uh, you're right. It's like an A plus or an F minus. Yeah. Uh, you know, with no no room. Oh, and so between. so and again, the the details here. The report was filed on April 30th, so it doesn't say when the incident when actually committed. took place, but the report was filed on April 30th. Do you think the Titans, even if they didn't know about the April 18th, so the April 18th was when the incident happened, filed on April 30th. Do you think that even if they didn't know about the April 18th incident, that they would lie and say they were aware of it? Oh. Bleep, yeah. I would. Well, if, if the, I were the Titans and I had Isaiah Wilson happen last year, I'll, I'll go on record. Even if I didn't know about it, I would, I would, I would insinuate that. Oh yeah, we we knew about it. We've looked into it, and it's fine. You got to be proactive on that. What a terrible look. Got to somehow be proactive. Terrible look. Got, we we will uh, continue to discuss this. Plus, uh, our thoughts on the the class. We'll go pick by pick on what the Titans accomplished and what we say they didn't accomplish from the weekend next on Outkick 360.
Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us wherever you are taking in the show today. And if you're listening on podcasts, we hope you'll rate and review and share. Let everyone know where to find Outkick 360. If you're listening on Amazon, just ask Alexa to search Outkick on YouTube. Time to recap the Titans draft as we kick off the Tennessee Power Hour. And it starts with news today of something that happened two weeks prior to the draft. Fourth round pick Rashad Weaver, and this from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Um, over the weekend, he was charged with one count of simple assault in connection with an April incident on the south side of Pittsburgh where he allegedly punched a woman. Uh, with witnesses on the scene at 2.30 early on a Sunday morning on April the 18th. Um, those at the scene said a large man, later identified as Mr. Weaver, punched the woman, Demetria Navjelis. Uh, I think I'm saying that right, Navjelis. Sure. Mr. Weaver was not at the scene when officers arrived. Uh, the woman was checked by a medic and released. One witness said she saw Mr. Weaver punch the woman. Another witness said she did not see Mr. Weaver punch the woman, but did see her fall to the ground. So this was a late Saturday night, April 17th, early Sunday morning incident, 2.28 a.m. And it started with what the, um, the victim, in this case, the alleged victim, said was her throwing a drink on Rashad Weaver. One witness said, Weaver said she spilled a drink on him and an argument started. She admitted to throwing the drink on Rashad Weaver, and then five minutes later this incident happened. You mentioned Hutton, one witness said he punched her, another witness said he didn't punch her, and then eight days after that. Not that he didn't, that, they didn't see, her, see him punch her. Well, eight days after that, she was vomiting, went to the hospital, and had a concussion. Eight days? Eight days after, she had some symptoms, and they, that's when she was diagnosed with a concussion. Here's a very disturbing part of this also. Uh, Rashad Weaver told officers that night, when questioned about it, he stated to other officers on the scene that he had no problem hitting a woman if they needed it. That's what he told the cops All right. after this incident. Do we want to hear what the Titans had to say about Mr. Weaver Saturday evening after drafting him? Yes. John Robinson. I think he's a tough player. He's a team captain, and they speak very highly of him. They being Pitt. He's got good length. He's got good strength in the position, you know, so much that they even kicked him down at the senior bowl, and you can see him play down over the guard in there, and he held his own. He's a high mower pl motor player. He's a fun player to watch. I think he's a disruptive player in both the run and pass games, and we're excited for him to come in here and compete and work. Mike Vrabel, I think touching on that senior bowl experience, so many of these players go down and they're looking to showcase their skills. And they ask him to move down inside. And here's a kid that's going to go and try to make a name for himself or get recognized playing a position that he's played for four years in college. And they move him inside to play the three technique. And he didn't leave. He didn't pack his stuff up and leave. He went in there and he tried to do it the way they coached him to do it. I think this is talking about Michigan maybe. He was at Michigan and then transferred. Am I wrong? No, he's talking about at, at the uh... – He's talking about the senior At bowl. At the experience. senior bowl, because of his size they and put his him length, there. they moved him down a little Okay, line. so this is why they like him. He said yep. he went in there and he tried to do it the way they coached him to do it. He didn't run around blocks. He certainly stood out to me. I'm like, why don't you just try and run around and make some plays? He was like, he was trying to do it however they were coaching him to do it. And I think that says a lot about who he is. 
So they liked the fact that he, you know, was doing as he was asked as opposed to doing what he was physically capable of doing, which would have been just running away from some of these guys with his speed. Uh, listen, it, uh, the, the big question here, and I don't know that we're going to get an answer to this. I'm sure the Titans will put out an innocuous comment that probably leaves unclear as to whether they knew about this. They certainly know about it now. That's what We're aware said. of this, and we're right. not going to comment on an ongoing investigation. We but did they know about this? I don't know if you're drafting a fourth-round edge rusher who just punched a woman and said what Chad read there, which I don't have a problem punching a woman if she deserves it. Uh, to me, this, that that's, the worst. that's the indictment. If you there. want to talk about... Um, that's a quote from the report? That is a quote from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette that he told officers that night. But it's in the police report that, the, that right. they're... He told them Correct. that night. Yes. Say it again. You have it again? Yeah, let me Circle pull, up, back let me pull to that. up the story. This yeah. is a terrible but element it goes of this back whole to, um, story. It goes back to judgment, right? It's one thing to know you're about to get drafted in two weeks and to put yourself in a situation where you put hands on a woman... Or this happens, and you get arrested. Regardless, you get, a, you get arrested. There's but show a, there's immediate a remorse. You. Show immediate remorse. Know you did something incredibly bad. Well, that, that's bad to begin with. Right. But but then to is, say this is yeah. uh, compounds it. Not it that says, there's any, you know. Stated to the other officers it, on the scene that he had no problem hitting a female if they needed it, according yes, to the complaint. This it. is I mean, uh, miss. And so the the uh, the victim said her friends left the bar and headed towards South 17th Street. Mr. Weaver left, went down South 16th Street, but before leaving the bar, Mr. Weaver, quote, stated to other officers already on the scene that he had no problem hitting a female if they needed it, unquote. Yeah, uh, there's no way that they knew, is there? But this is why, again... I mean, what's I, worse, that they didn't know or that they knew when they drafted? Let's go back to... Uh, uh, sucks or savant type takes from people. I get so sick of media members or fans that tell other fans or people who follow football, you don't have the right to question what an NFL GM does because the NFL GM is way smarter than you and they always do their due diligence. This is why it's okay to question things because, Paul, I'm with you. There's no way they knew about this. There is no way. This is public record. Anyone could have found this out. And the Tennessee Titans took a guy who allegedly two weeks before he was drafted punched a woman in a bar. This is why it's okay to question things. It's perfectly reasonable for a fan to have an opinion without getting shouted, out by, shouted at by people. This is why. It's okay to do those things, to question picks like this. This is really bad news for the Titans. This is a disaster on top of a disaster with Isaiah Wilson last year, because I just mentioned it the segment before. This pick and Elijah Molden were the two that were universally heralded by every draft analyst, everyone who covers the league as the two smartest picks. The most value picks for the Titans were these two guys, and they were going to rely on him. This was the pass rush element coming in to help the Titans, and this is a terrible start. Paul, can you pull up Brugler's normally the, the most detailed with the background on players. Do you have that pen still? The yeah, draft? I'll, I'll find it. We'll pull up the description on if there's any uh, any concerns whatsoever off the field uh, or red flags that, that might have been mentioned, character issues of any kind. Um, because the description of the players 
everyone is taking a closer look at these guys now based on what happened last year and the uncertainty of how that first round pick panned out and how they need these 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 guys to be a, a, a true core of their roster moving forward um, and to have this come out the Monday after the NFL draft with the Pittsburgh Post Gazette and WKRN locally um, you're right Paul it's a great question I mean would you if they didn't know about it which we're assuming they didn't um, how bad. bad does that look if they did know about it it's it's worse it, yeah, that's right and if you did know about it you draft him anyway uh, it's a, it's another terrible look uh, it, it is worse it, I'm it is skimming worse. this and I don't see anything about character concerns um, Brugler so I'll read it more closely here. The, the when more we're in the I next break, yeah. Uh, you know, I mentioned will they lie and say they knew about it, even if they didn't. The more I read the story, the more I think it's to their benefit to claim ignorance instead of saying we knew about it. Based on the level of allegation here and what happened with the woman later being diagnosed with a concussion, uh, it would be to their benefit now, from a PR standpoint, to claim ignorance. Now, what even the, if they did know about it. Now they they have admitted that they've been you know, everyone knew the story but Jeffrey Simmons had a similar a similar accusation against him I'm that filled. was from that was from high school right and yeah. that affected it, how it, he, it was an accusation it was a video it was filmed it. yeah but I'm saying that the Titans knew about that and addressed that head-on with him and addressed that with him and then bought in with a, a press conference where they acknowledge the past and say we're, we're buying into the future uh, nothing of the sort here and this again this complaint filed on the 30th they draft him on May the 1st I mean yeah. it's it's totally different though when you're talking about a kid in high school I agree that you've had a chance to have some time and he was obviously remorseful about well, it he'd with been the Titans. counseled at Mississippi State is, I mean he uh, this is know. 12 days right this is 12 days from first round of the NFL draft then the complaint to the court filed Hours before they selected, yeah, two weeks. So to, he, he no the late complaint, Saturday, the complaint but the filed complaint, yeah, on the 30th. Yeah. No, but I'm saying, in terms of the Titans being able to evaluate and say this guy's moved yeah, on, right. he's Not better. Right, this right. was exactly no. two weeks. Yeah. The afternoon in which he was drafted, less than two weeks before, early morning hours on a Sunday on a Sunday morning, late Saturday night was when this happened. So there's no way the Titans could have vetted him and said we're completely okay with this now. Th this is. Uh... A, a disaster in, in the I mean I, I know this is an initial reaction and there's a temptation to overreact this quote <laughs> I, I mean I don't know what the recovery is from this I don't know what they say what they do where they go but I think that there's you know we're inclined to overreact to things I don't know that there's an overreaction possible for this Not you for just that. drafted a guy that's saying it's okay to hit women right after he hit a woman now, first off, you can't draft a guy that hit a woman, but the proper reaction if he hit a woman is to be like, oh, my God, what did I just do? And he's not having that reaction. Probably the reaction they got from Jeffrey Simmons when they interviewed him was, oh, my God, that was a big regret of mine. I'm never going to do it again years Plus, after it like happened. like you're saying, he had a couple years to rehabilitate yes. and, and, and be counseled and all of that. UW on Twitter brings up a good point. He says, this reminds me of the Tyreek Hill pick in Kansas City except everyone already knew about that on the front end. That Monday after the draft, call-in shows, fans were angry. Andy Reid and Dorsey were completely indifferent. Then the Kareem Hunt thing had tape to it. 
So they cut him well, that, because everyone saw it. The Chiefs are okay with drafting if, bad guys. But this is a good point from UW. If Weaver has tape out there, security cam footage or anything else, they're dead. it's done. He's dead. Well, it's also confusing because at the top half of this story from the Post-Gazette states that he was not at the scene when officers arrived. Yes. And, and then he talked to officers. And then he states to other officers on scene that he had no problem hitting a female if they needed it. So did he return to the scene? Like, I, 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 there is a, there's a lapse Conflict, in time yeah. right here where the story contradicts itself. Um, and, and they're, they're quoting things from, from the report and from the, from the police report and from the, the court filing. So you're getting many different accounts of this. But nonetheless... Uh, just by reading this, would we say, yeah, this is a, this is a player we're drafting hours after you, you see a complaint filed like this? No. It, it's, you do a ton of, you have, to, you have to take a step back from that. So she was lying on the ground between two streets. But then it later, so you're right, hon, it's confusing the way it's worded, says her and her friends left the bar, Mr. Weaver left and went down South 16th Street, but before leaving the bar, Mr. Weaver stated to other officers on the scene he had no problem hitting a female. But yet the officers arrived and he wasn't on the scene. So did he state this before he hit her? Like, is he leaving is he to telling to officers? Cops? I don't know. Again, like, it's Maybe very, on the way out there's security or it's cops. It's very there, confusing uh, as we just react live to the story. Right. Um, We're getting this the same time you are. We're reading the same stories and yeah. reports that you are in real time. Um, Paul. Your overall assessment of what the Titans did not accomplish. How how stunned are you that they didn't draft a tight end? Uh, look, I mean, their I, way. I, I, it doesn't strike me. Uh, I could see that they, you know, lose out on a couple guys falling to them. Let me, let me preface it real quick. They traded up for a receiver. Like, they, they target Fitzpatrick because they knew they had to go get a receiver. Are you surprised they didn't do that in the third round for a tight end? Um, because those guys are drafted at 81 and 83. Well, you can't trade up a second time because you're out of picks. Um, well, Fitzpatrick was drafted later, is my point. I, I could see them kind of having a little bit of an ego about, like, we'll make it work with the guys we have. We'll get these undrafted. Yeah. They could go back to Michael Pruitt, which I think they should. Um, you know, he's uh, Robinson said, you know, we've we've taken calls from some people about tight ends on their roster, so there could be a trade coming there. Here, here's my big negative takeaway from the Titans draft. Monty Rice. All right, they didn't exercise Rashawn Evans' option this morning per Drew Rosenhaus' agent. That's no surprise. That's a no-brainer. Rashawn Evans is not a good enough player. He's good in goal line and short yardage. That's a specialty for a guy they drafted, traded up to draft, what, 23rd? Bad first-round draft Evans, pick. Evans, 22nd. 22nd. Bad first-round draft pick. Again, now you've drafted a guy who's seemingly his replacement, who the downside scouting reports say he's a lot like Rashawn Evans. He's a, he's a big boomer. I guess he processes things better than Rashawn Evans, but he's a limited coverage guy. And in today's league, if you have a limited coverage inside linebacker, he's not a three-down player. He uh, might not be a two-down player at the rate the league throws to tight ends and backs. And, and they're being proactive. They're getting this guy a year ahead of needing to replace Evans. Well, they didn't get a guy a year ahead of needing to replace Corey Davis. 
They didn't get a guy a year ahead of needing to replace Jonu Smith, and those are guys they need to replace now. And they didn't do it in this draft mm -hmm. while they were busy replacing Rashawn Evans a year ahead. So what's going on in terms of the priority thinking and the stacking of positions? The Monty Rice pick makes no sense to me. Now, they got traded out ahead of, or they traded out, what was it, third round Green Bay mm -hmm. when before them, who went? Hunter Long and uh, Miami Brown. And Trimble. And, and Trimble. Trimble. They um, went from 85 to 92 right. when they traded I, back. I think that three guys, uh, four picks ahead of them went that they would have considered. And they went back, and then I still think there was probably nothing they loved there. But there was no buzz about Monty Rice. I, I don't know that Monty Rice was coming off the board right there. Listen, you don't know. And if they love the guy, if he pans out, that's terrific. But, uh, you know, I need them addressing need there. Des Fitzpatrick, like you said, could be great. But I, I tweeted out, in the history of this franchise, and look, they, these aren't John Robinson's guys, and the league has changed. But you know how many receivers have caught more than 10 passes uh, as a rookie who've been drafted after the fourth round by this franchise? Two. Tajay Sharp and someone else. Roydell Williams. So, I mean, are you counting on huge production from a fourth-round rookie receiver? I'm not. So this offense is taking a big step back. Who's catching passes after A.J. Brown, Anthony Ferkser, and, and uh, Josh Reynolds? Darrington Evans is the next candidate. Fitzpatrick's the next candidate. You can't count on that. And then, then you're looking at Cam Batson and, and the name that we don't like to speak, Westbrook Akeem. <laughs> and no fault of his own. Well, we just he, it, Others speak his name enough. Yes. <laughs> I mean, how, how many times, though, are you going to have to make a pick to correct a bad first-round pick? Uh, Isaiah Wilt, we can argue about this back and forth again. Jack Conklin didn't get picked up for the fifth year. He's a, first, he's a top ten pick. He was there four years. I don't care if he was all pro his rookie year. That's not good enough in terms of roster building. They draft Isaiah Wilson to correct that mistake. Isaiah Wilson, not to get back into it, huge mistake. So then they draft an offensive tackle in the second round the next year to, to make up for that mistake. And then in a spot where they need something else, tight end, wide receiver, they need something else, not Monty Rice, not that position. What do they do? They draft a guy to correct another first-round mistake in Rashawn Evans because that's what it is. You're not picking up his fifth-year option. It's another first-round mistake. We continue our Titans draft assessment. More thoughts on the, the middle pack after – Farley, we, we'll discuss Elijah Molden. Uh, we'll get more into Rashad Weaver, Monty Rice, offensive tackle and wide receiver needs, much more. Straight ahead on OutKick 360. OutKick 360 across the OutKick network. And we're discussing the reports from Pittsburgh and through WKRN and Emily Proud here in Nashville. Uh, that Rashad Weaver, Titans uh, draft pick from this past weekend, charged with simple assault, uh, stemming from an incident at a, outside of a bar um, the morning of April the 18th. It was the 17th or 18th, Chad. I'm uh, 2.30 in the morning, two weeks prior to the draft. Uh, we're getting a reaction to that, plus all of the, the, the Titans draft picks combined here. Um, and we'll, we'll, throughout the week, we'll go and, and uh, layer two 
three layers deep on each of these players. But we were discussing uh, Weaver and the incident. Weaver, the player, is immediately the third guy in the outside linebacker rotation. I mean, behind Bud Dupree and Harold Landry, it's Rashad Weaver. Their depth is that bad, and we know the players that they have. This, to me, he was the guy that was first up in the rotation. It's a good pick until <laughs> right. It's, until it's not a good pick. Um, you know, look, you know, uh, impressive size, uh, quick, quick get off, uh, and, and an ability to, uh, to to defend the run, which is very important. That and, and because of his size, um, he can help set the edge. To your point, if everyone's healthy and you want to keep Landry and Dupree on the field, you can move him down the line where. Uh, Vrabel referenced them working with him some and watching him and evaluating him at the Senior Bowl. Other teams wanted to see him do the same thing, and he did well. He held his own, um, not to the point where they're switching positions on him, no. but they're, they were comfortable enough to point that out as reason for value in the pick. Uh, and him paired with uh, Elijah Molden, who I think has a, a, a real chance well, to be you called the, one of your three. Wa- watching him play, though, I think he has a real chance to be starting nickel. And uh, the best, just pure nickel in the draft, with with him and with Weaver, with those picks. I mean, they were getting not just November contributors; they're getting Week One contribution from those two players. This isn't just uh, Kevin Johnson that's on notice by what they did in the secondary. Christian Fulton's yes. on notice if everybody's healthy at the beginning yes. of the season. Christian Fulton can very well be the fourth cornerback because you've got. Caleb Farley, if he's healthy outside, I think is starting day one. Yes. Janoris Jenkins is starting right now on the outside for sure. And then you've got presumably Elijah Molden, uh, who, who's a more natural nickel than Fulton. Fulton's an outside guy being asked to play nickel, and he should be able to play nickel. But Molden is, has a knack for the nuance there's of a, the position. Yeah, there's a diagnosis of, of where the ball's going with him. Right. And, you know, he knows certain route combinations, and you can just sense that he's got a good football mind so they for, could be, to play the slot. They could be splitting time there in some fashion based on who's lining up there, and you could go big nickel, little nickel conceivably with yeah, Fulton he's almost, playing more of a tight end kind of big yeah, and guy. Yeah, Molden's almost a in a way. Molden playing the Tyreek Hill type of yeah, guy yeah. there. But ultimately, look, Janoris Jenkins isn't here for the long haul. And ultimately, if Fulton, Molden, and Farley pan out, that's your three-pack for the long haul. And I think you have reason to be excited about the Titans secondary for, for, uh, for the long haul. Uh, that, that's a nice-looking three-pack. You need to see these young guys do it, and Fulton's not proven either. So all three of them have something to prove. Here's the full draft well, class. I, I need to see. I need to see Fulton play better first. Yes, because I, I thought the same thing a year ago after the draft. I thought I want a Christian Fulton the first round, and they got him in the second round. I'm thinking he's an immediate impact guy, and he made almost no impact in year one. And if Caleb Farley's back is an issue, that's a busted pick. But yeah, I mean, if Caleb Farley's completely healthy after two back surgeries, and Elijah Molden is exactly what we think he was at Washington when he gets here, then. That's an up, and, and then Janoris Jenkins. It's a huge upgrade. Well, Molden in comes in with zero health issues. And yeah, he's, he's played in every Molden, game. Molden, yeah, or yeah. Molden, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, let's go to the the Tennessee Titans um, draft class that they put out, just so we can talk through this a bit. But so so Monty Rice, let me <laughs> right an inside linebacker in the third round. My, it was described to me that he's just a behind-the-ball linebacker in college. And 
the comparison to Rashawn Evans, it was worded to me that he's going to immediately challenge David Long before he challenges Rashawn Evans. That's a third round value. Like I, when I hear that, third round value to challenge your fifth round. He's a he's a core special teamer, if that's the case. And I I do think, and I do buy into this. This is a signal that they are done with the revolving door of Will Compton or Darren Bates. Yes. Off the practice squad to the active roster and and filling that role with the veteran minimum salary. The special teams room got considerably younger this weekend, and he's a key contributor with that. But forget Rashawn Evans for a moment. Monty Rice is going to be taking the spot of David Long on the field if they need him for a group that hasn't stayed healthy. Yeah, and, and look, once upon a time, the Titans added uh, Darren Bates, Brendan Trawick, and, and, and uh, Brendan Trawick and Adore Jackson in the same year, 2017, I think, and that was supposed to transform special teams, and nothing happened. So, you know, excuse me if I'm not that excited about Matthias Farley and uh, and the outside linebacker who's not an outside linebacker, well, then now, and, then and these guys, uh, Brady Breeze, and the receiver. Uh, and the LSU receiver, Racy McMath, uh, Racy McMath, two great names. He's great a gunner, name. right? I mean, I'm sure they'll help, but I, I don't have a lot of faith. You know, the Titans need uh, returners for starters who can do things and and everything, and uh, Craig Aukerman to coach better. Uh, uh, you know, so there's sure. there's, a, there's a lot that needs to happen there. They need somebody better than Tucker McCann at kicker, um, I I think, and I expect that to happen. But, uh, yeah, the, the inside linebacker move is a puzzle, uh, puzzler, I think, for virtually everybody. Uh, your, your thoughts and assessment, guys, on Dylan Radins at offensive tackle in, in the second round, um, where, again, they're saying their, their depth is not anywhere close to what they wanted it to be, and Radins is pushing to start at right tackle immediately. Uh, I, he's got to be a day one starter for me to be a second round draft pick. I don't want to hear this small school development time uh, and all of that conversation and I'm getting into my file here Uh, I sent this to Hutton over the weekend Chad you've probably read it John Robinson has spent the number eight pick in 2016 the number 29 pick in 2020 the number 53 pick in 2021 the number 82 pick in 2019 a five-year 80 million dollar contract with 50 million guaranteed a four-year 44 million dollar contract with 22.5 million guaranteed and two contracts for six years for 31 million dollars on the offensive line since he's been here he spent uh, three, two first rounders and a second rounder on right tackle in six years. The resource expenditure on the offensive line has been enormous. And you could say that's how you need to operate with Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry ran for over 2,000 yards with five games of Ty Sambrilo and five games of David Questenberry. You're allowed to find a fourth-round guy like David Stewart and have a successful offensive line at some point. I think it's just exceeding, exceeding, exceedingly high expenditures on the offensive line. I think this guy will be a good player. Uh, He looks like a good player to me. I just don't know why you have to spend, 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 spend on offensive line. I can't assess the pick of Raidens without being pissed off at the pick of Isaiah Wilson. <laughs> because the only they're reason they're drafting connected. him in the second round, yep. they are linked at the hip. It was that failure by the Titans and by Isaiah Wilson that forced this North Dakota State offensive tackle to go in the second round. 
But correct me if I'm wrong, one of the reasons they picked him was because he looked good against high-level competition at the Senior, senior Bowl. Bowl. At the Senior Bowl. Right? So he, yep. it's not – I'm with you, Paul. I'm not going to sit and listen to this. Keep in mind, he comes from North Dakota State, and he's playing against yeah. worse competition Land than these other guys. Day. We he, know how it works. Raidens must be the starter from day one if you're drafting him in the second round. I don't want to hear about – a slow progression because he was from a small school. Because part of the reason you draft him is because he looked good against big school guys at the senior He's bowl. also going to pull but a hamstring. I'm, I'm the wrong person to ask this about because I'm always going to be angry that this pick needed to be made. And it did. They, they had they to had go to get it. an offensive tackle. But it's because of the failure. I mean, we can go back to uh, Jack Conklin being with the Cleveland Browns and not being picked up with that option. And then Isaiah Wilson. And now because of Isaiah Wilson – you got to go with Raiden. So I, I'm angry about that. So the the Titans get their offensive tackle uh, with Raidens. They have Kendall Lamb, Tyson Brylow, Quessenberry, Paul, as you mentioned, as their quality insurance type players. One of those guys needs to be able to play guard because their guard depth is poor. Well, Sam de- Brylow, he mentioned, Vrabel mentioned being able to kick inside. But their guard depth is Aaron Brewer and maybe um, Munyer. And one of those guys is center, yep. one of them's guard. And they're not great players. They were undrafted rookies that made it last year. Uh, Racy McMath is a gunner on special teams who is going to play a reserve role uh, as a fourth or fifth wide receiver. But they are going, as it sits right now, they are going in, to me, overly reliant on Nick Westbrook-Akina and Cam Batson. And I can't help but think that the no comment on the Julio Jones question is a sign that they're at least contemplating making a move. If you could get Julio Jones for a second-round pick on June 2nd, I, I, I mean, you make the money work. I don't see why you don't do that. I, I, first off, I mean, right now, say what you will about the talent. I mean, if you want to bet on Nick Westbrook-Akina and everything, so, so be it. Here's the problem. A.J. Brown is going to be doubled every snap. And can, he is never going to have a favorable matchup ever. Especially early in the year. Especially early in the year. And let us not forget, he played the entire year with a bum knee. Two bad knees, really, by the end. Like how close? He, he even mentioned how close he was to going on injured reserve and still put up the numbers that he did. Yeah. If they lose him, what do they have? They haven't upgraded at tight end. Nothing. And they have a true lack of experience and depth at the receiver position. And he's a massive uh, Julio Jones fan. The two of them together would be a supremely uh, complimentary situation. And uh, And Julio Jones can still play. I mean, he's not the same guy he was five years ago, but he can still play. And I realize you can play devil's advocate and say, well, you can take the top two or three players on any team and remove them from the lineup and they get considerably worse. That's all true. But this is the time of year where you can maneuver and position your roster to help safeguard some of that. That's why they drafted Dylan Radins at right tackle in case something happens to Kendall Lamb or vice versa. They have depth at the position, which they didn't have a year ago because LaJuan also got hurt. What are they doing at receiver? And what are they doing at tight end? Tight end is another position. They have a ton of names on a sheet. But it's not like they have great depth at the position. Yeah, they've got uh, seven or, or, or eight or nine tight ends. But, I mean, so, they're just names. So it, it's worth having the discussion, Julio Jones to Tennessee in the trade discussion. I, I mean, agree. It, 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 it's worth having that debate on what the value is because of the depth at the position right now and the true need for a player like him. And what it would do, 
for an offense that lost Corey Davis and Jonu Smith. It's another potential trade target, another level, Jakeem Grant. Um, because Miami's made some moves that, uh, that, that would allow him to well, what about, be available. What uh, about Anthony Miller from Chicago? Yeah, that he's been down? available for forever. So, uh, you know, I think if Chicago was, was going to make the move and you couldn't get a sixth or seventh for him mm-hmm. during this draft, you know, are you going to get a sixth or seventh next year for him? I think he might end up on the street. And he had some attitude problem in Chicago. So I don't know if you're looking to bring in attitude problem. And I don't know if you're looking to bring in attitude problem right now while you're dealing with a guy that just hit a woman in a bar, allegedly, and said that he's cool with it. We're going to continue to discuss uh, Rashad Weaver and and those details coming up as we wrap up the show. And also, uh, we mentioned this to preview the show, Chad. Trey Smith drops to the sixth round and... That led. It, it prompted Mike Farrell of Rivals to have one of the all-time bad tweets and takes that he later had to take down and apologize for. And we will discuss the problem with the Mike Farrells of the world when we come back. I got some clarification on the Weaver question about where he was and wasn't with police. So we'll hit that as soon as we get back. All right. I'll kick 360 rolls on. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network alongside Chad Withrow and Paul Kuharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Glad you're with us on this Monday edition. We're reacting through the Tennessee Power Hour to the news of Rashad Weaver uh, being charged with one count of simple assault uh, for an incident that took place on April the 18th where he allegedly punched a woman. And the detail from the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, a bit confusing, and Paul's about to clarify, where... Early in the report from the story, the story reads that Weaver was not on the scene when officers arrived to the scene. However, he's quoted through the report telling other officers that he wouldn't mind hitting a woman if she deserved it. So which is it? Was he there or not there? And Paul, you've, you've reached out. So I just reached out to John McGonagall, who uh, wrote the story for the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I, I sent him an email basically asking that question, and he wrote me back. So here's the two paragraphs that he wrote me. According to the criminal complaint, Rashad Weaver stated, quote, that he had no problem hitting a female if they needed it, end quote, to officers on the scene of the argument at the Foxtail Bar. That was before the alleged punch. Minutes later, when officers arrived to see the woman on the ground at the intersection of South 17th Street and East Carson Street, Weaver was not there, according to the criminal complaint. So as Chad said, the guy basically called his shot. So he's talking to officers on the scene of the argument sounds like there are officers at the bar but then there are different set of officers that came to answer the the call so i'm still a little confusing as to why the officers at the bar weren't dealing with the incident at the bar um but he's having it seemingly a casual conversation well, with these officers at the bar and then the officers who came to deal with the incident he was gone by the, the, the reason i asked uh, earlier did, did this happen before the incident p- took place which he's sounded walking. preposterous that you suggested well, it, but that's what happened th- to me this is just officers walking the streets and they're just outside the bar like you're, you're leaving and there's he's saying, some type of verbal argument and you to. make a comment to a group of people standing around. Which like becomes that, relevant after there's an incident. That That's 
again, I'm, I'm put. I'm trying to connect the dots with all of this. It's all very bizarre. Um, it is troubling if accurate, and if accurate, the Titans again look foolish. Again. So there was an incident in the bar where the drink was thrown. She admitted to their cops that she threw a drink on them. So, so officers reacting. responded to a drink being thrown and some sort of skirmish that ensued in the bar. He told those officers in the bar that I will hit a woman if she needs it. And then minutes later in the street, she's punched and on the ground. Maybe. According to the report, the And then other officers show up to him and he's gone at that she's point. She's laying in between streets. This is a weird, it's a weird intertwining story of cops in two different places, too. Responding to the same incident that spills over in one bar and goes out to the street where he's quoted as saying one thing to cops there, and then it's But it doesn't have to be very, the same group very of police bizarre. officers yeah, either. It's two different very, groups of cops. Very, it could be a different group of yes. responders versus those Oh, that's that what I'm are, saying. He told one group that responded to the first incident one thing. Yeah, if true, and then he, pointed to the, he pointed to the field and said, I'm hitting, you know, he called a shot if this, this is, is true. I mean, Isaiah Wilson, we understand, is a low point in a lot of ways. But Isaiah Wilson was just an idiot. He was not a, a, a criminal this is this is a bad criminal behavior and with this quote as part of it is is just and the two-week gap it's just really a terrible well, terrible a, look for the Tennessee Titans in terms of homework and the 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 apologies already for the Titans on on this from fans is just remarkable how quickly immediately people are apologizing for for the Titans and now they're blaming the media for not having it in time saying if everyone in the media couldn't find this story before the draft, how are the Titans and their security supposed to find uh, it? You want me to dig on guys the Titans might draft? They're two, <laughs> they're, 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 I mean, Dane Brugler's the best in the business, and I'm not critical of Dane Brugler well, not well, having this. He's not this. chasing police Hang reports. on, though. This was filed on the 30th, and yeah. he's drafted on the 1st. Yes, nobody's going to have this. The no. only people that might have a whiff of this are pit beat writers. Oh, and I'm not on them for not having it. It's on the Titans for yes. not having it. I don't care what the circumstances are. It's their investment. It's not a media member who's spending money on this player as an asset for your organization. If, if I go to the store and I, I buy a car, let's say I'm, I'm going to the, a dealership and buying a car, and there's something terribly wrong with that car that had happened two weeks before, and I didn't do my due diligence to find it out, it's not on everyone else that didn't tell me about the car being dinged up. Before it's on me for making the purchase. And let's make it's clear. on the Titans. And let's make no clear. one else. Well, no, that, that's a. Uh, I know exactly what you're saying, and I agree. But it's on Rashad Weaver. Yes. It's on Rashad Weaver for reprehensible behavior, allegedly, and for reprehensible comment. That's where it starts. Now the Titans have to know what's up with guys they're about to draft. They have to have boots on the ground, and you have to be monitoring the people you're about to draft. Unfortunately, that's the reality of the world. It shouldn't be like that. But it's first and foremost on this guy for jackassery. Uh, that, that's what it's on. Yes. But, but, but and, and look, it's, I'm not saying it's easy like, to monitor everybody you're thinking about drafting for the two weeks before you draft them. But that's part of what you, you have to do, unfortunately. Um, and, and so they, they look foolish. And they look foolish in part like, look, this one-off could happen to anybody. But when you're coming off having busted on a guy who turned out to be a complete idiot, you know, we've said all along that the, the bar is higher. 
and the bar is higher, and then the the Monday afternoon I, after your draft, this comes out, you look horrible. We, we should preface this: we're, we're not. I don't want to pretend that Isaiah Wilson's some golden child who's just an idiot. The dude, you know, drinks and drives and uh, attempts to jump off balconies, does donuts in the middle of the street at three o'clock in the morning. Uh, he he too right. has had his fair share of incidents with law enforcement. Ran right. from cops, right. yeah, in northern Georgia. But if, if we're scaling it, he didn't hit a woman and he, he didn't hurt anybody. He well, could this, well have hurt somebody with the drunken driving donuts. But we you know, know he did those things. Yes. Like at least in in Weaver's case, this is a this is a complaint file at this point. Yeah. At, at this point that from an incident that took place allegedly on April the 18th, filed on April 30th. So. That's why I keep asking: Did the Titans know, or did they not know about this when they drafted him? Because if they did, that speaks volumes to what they think of this story, right? If they didn't, and again, I, it's tough to get information within the the hours, not even 24 hours, with this being filed versus when they right. drafted. I don't him. know that you're going to know about it between the 18th and the 30th. But if you have a scouting department that reaches out to certain people and they vouch for a guy. To me, if you're in tight with the the people that are vouching for a player, they should know. They're going to pick up a phone. Hey, man, you just might give you a heads up. Keep an eye out for this. Yeah. No, you know, don't tie my name to it, but keep an eye out for this because this this took place today, or this is something that's going on. I heard something. I just, and, and if you're in tight with Weaver and he doesn't bring this up to you, yeah, well, I just if, if the player, if you're you're saying, you know what, we have a great rapport. They're, they're, the Titans are releasing the phone call with Rashad Weaver, saying, had a great chat down in Mobile, man. Can't wait to go to work. Yeah, love you, man. Again, it just it, it speaks to the, the rapport that they have or they don't have with certain people that vouch for players for the second year in a row. And I'll, I'll just, go back to where I go. They have all young scouts. And I just, look, I know a lot of people think I've got a relationship with Blake Benningfield, who was one of their older scouts, and they think that's me maybe maybe touting for Blake. It's not. Blake's not been with the team for several years. But this team used to have a lot of these older, established guys who've been around forever who are connected because they've been at the Holiday Inn at Pitt for a lot of nights in their life. And these guys they have now just haven't. And I think, I'm not saying you have to have all old scouts, but I think you can't have all young scouts. I think some of those old guys are connected in ways that these young guys just can't be at this stage of their career yet. Speaking of something we know that happened, uh, Mike Farrell of Rivals tweeted something very stupid over the weekend. We're going to show it to you, and I'm going to read it to you right now. This is from Mike Farrell of Rivals. He is a recruiting analyst for college football. On Trey Smith falling to the sixth round, he says, I'll be waiting for the gift baskets and apologies from the Trey, Trey Smith sh should have been a five-star crowd or for the excuses, <laughs> one or the other. First off, to clarify here, nothing that Trey Smith did on the field at Tennessee or off the field, it's not the reason that he's a sixth-round pick. Every draft analyst thought he'd be a third-round pick. The reason he fell to the sixth round is because he's got a blood clotting disorder in his lungs that wasn't discovered in high school when you rated him a four and not a five-star uh, player. There's nothing he did in college that would tell you he's not a five-star type talent, mm -hmm. even with blood clots. It was, it was identified at Tennessee. They came up with a plan at Tennessee with the doctors there to prevent it. Now, the fall in the draft is because there's a lot of teams who say, I don't want to inherit that risk medically, which is understandable. I still think Trey Smith is going to go on to have a pro career. He can start immediately. Absolutely. Mike Farrell, though, tweeting this, 
brings up something to me that's an even bigger problem. That's these guys that cover high school football for a living. The power they have over recruiting and the power they have over a 16, 17, 18-year-old kid's life, and they know it. They know it means the world to the kid to be a four-star and not a three-star or a five-star and not a four-star. They know that they have these fan bases by the you-know-what to get more four- and five-star players to have a higher-ranked recruiting class. And they play games with high school kids. This is a guy holding a grudge against a player who's done all the right things, who had a blood clotting disorder in his lungs and taking a victory lap because the kid in one of his worst moments falls from what he thinks should be a first or second round pick based on play to the sixth round and rubs a fan base and a kid their nose in it. Now, he later went on and issued an apology that featured two poop emojis, which (laughs) if you're going to issue a a legitimate apology, don't include emojis in the apology also, Mike. But once again, bigger problem. These guys who know they are kingmakers and treat it that way, and their egos have been inflated to the point where they can go on on a Saturday night and tweet something like that, and it takes them that long to delete it and issue an apology. Guys, I have a problem with that, with that recruiting industry. Completely agree with that, with, with the assumption that, you know, it's, it's the player that did not live up to expectation versus the medical history, which has been well documented over the course of his college career uh, as to why he would fall in the NFL draft. Rashad Weaver's agent, Brian McLaughlin, just told me he will not comment at this time, but that the player's attorney will release a statement at some point for what that's worth. So they'll detail what did or did not happen. Well, they're going to have their, as we've seen, though, what did or did not happen from attorneys can change as a story progresses. Uh, Deshaun Watson, his attorneys, and the initial statement by him, and his attorneys, and now what they're saying uh, is one good example of that. We'll see what happens. Doesn't look good either way uh, with the, the complaint and with the details around it. Doesn't mean that he hit her or that he's completely guilty of this. we got to wait to see with more facts that come in, but it does not look good for the Titans either way. On a guy, as Paul, you mentioned, and Hutton, you mentioned, actually, rotational guy right away, right? One of three edge rushers. Oh, yeah, he's playing, and um, he, he is immediately right behind Bud Dupree or Harold Landry on the depth chart to me. Yeah, and a significant upgrade from the next guy, which is yes. Derek Roberson. Yep. Guys, we had more to get to. We'll hit it tomorrow. A lot more to discuss with reaction to the Titans draft class and a lot more. Props to the Preds, by the way. Got the National Predators get it done against Dallas at home on Saturday. Took overtime, but they Soros, finished. again, continues just spectacular play. And uh, now we see Dallas at Florida, and then they'll play at Tampa twice this week. The Preds need to take advantage of Columbus tonight and again later this week. Columbus, one of the worst teams in the league, the worst team in the division over the last two months. Uh, Preds need to take advantage of uh, the benefit of having the schedule they have versus the one that Dallas has. We'll recap that and much more tomorrow. Hit us up on Twitter in the meantime, at Outkick360, where we're going to be uh, tweeting and retweeting quite a bit with the Rashad Weaver story and a lot more. If you missed part of the show, the links will be available as well. And if you're listening on podcast, 
We hope you'll give us a follow and subscription to the podcast wherever you download your podcast. Big thanks to Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, Becca Risley, Sleepy Dan. We've got David Reed, who's always wide awake, making the show happen for us. We'll catch you tomorrow across the Outkick Network. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks. Thank you very much.